Amen. So good morning, guys. Uh, good to have you guys here today. My name is Brian. Uh, just Joanne praying that reminded me of a verse. I think it's in First John, probably 5. Uh, maybe four, that uh, perfect love casts out all fear. And so like we can rest in this perfect love that God has for us, that he died for us even while we were his enemies, uh, that we can rest and have confidence in that. We, we can boldly go before his throne of grace and not have to, have to fear, right? We can, you know, trust in God, like Joanne was saying. So, uh, so let's see, uh, we're going, this is like just a standalone sermon I'm doing today, just like not related to our series in Acts I've been doing. Uh, if you're interested in a Bible this morning, I just want to let you know we have some for you, a gift for you that uh, looks like Joshua Cousius is, is there. You raise your hand, we'll get you one, you can take it home. It's yours to keep. And, uh, and so, so I'm, uh, you know, I'm not a very emotional person, and even though I'm a pastor, I'm not a very verbal person. And this week, uh, Katie, my wife, was like talking to me about different things and different ideas that she had, and, and I'm just like, they're like quiet, like I'm not saying anything, and I'm just thinking, I'm, I'm like just processing information and, and like thinking about like the different things she's saying, and she stops and she's like, Brian, are you, are you mad at me? Like, are, are you mad? And I'm like, oh, oh, no, no, not at all, I'm just, I'm just like processing. I'm just thinking, and I sometimes forget that, like, Katie's not a part of my internal thought process. Like, she's not hearing or seeing all of the, you know, the subliminal thoughts that I'm having there. So, so it was just kind of an interesting thing. And, and so I, I want to point that out, that as, as, as a preacher, I think, I don't think I always communicate effectively the joy it is to have our lives lived for God, to, to pursue God with all that we are. I don't, I don't think I always, like, uh, convey that clearly, or I don't always communicate it uh, effectively. And, and, and I, I think that, you know, some of it, it's just like my, my preaching style, my, my own kind of the way that I write, love God and my natural tendencies that, uh, because Jesus said, right, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And my tendency, I lean towards loving God with my mind. That's just the way that I am. But obviously, we're supposed to love God with all of those parts of us, right? It doesn't just give me an excuse to just like, well, I'm just going to like go and study and just like love God this way. And, and I think as a result of that, sometimes my sermons, I, I can almost overvalue things that I, I believe are biblically interesting or, or mentally stimulating or ideas uh, that are perhaps unique uh, or, you know, different things in the Bible. I like connecting verses and, and I can almost overemphasize that and, and so I actually decided, I was like, I, I scrapped my sermon idea for this week, and I just wanted to talk about the joy of the Lord, that, that, that we can delight in God, that we can have this tremendous joy in Him, and that the life that we have is, is one that we can live before God and just really enjoy who He is and the world He's given us, the life He's given us, and, and that we can enjoy Him forever, right? That, that, that sometimes it's nice and necessary Instead of just kind of like, because sometimes I'll preach sermons where it's like, you know, tweaks, you know, my thinking on a, a particular doctrine or it corrects maybe something in my heart, you know, like I can overvalue those things. But sometimes it's nice and necessary just to think through a handful of verses uh, that describe who God is, the way he's revealed himself in his word, and just like celebrate that. Like, just celebrate who God is and just enjoy who he is and enjoy this truth and just kind of just think through through that. So, so that's what we're doing today, right? That, that we're just going to celebrate who God is today. We're going to enjoy God because that's what he wants us to do. Uh, and in fact, it wouldn't be effective if we tried to live our lives uh, feeling, you know, obligated, like, oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do the right thing. I've got to serve God in this way. Because it's going to be more effective 
if all of that comes out of a love for God, that if all of that comes out of our, our pursuit of God. So, so this is what I want to point out is that a life with God is a joyful life. And that's, that might not be something that you've perceived in the past, especially for younger people, right? You're like, nah, I'm, I'm going to just like, I'm going to go find fun my own way for a while because like maybe I'll, you know, turn my life over to God later because I don't think it'll be fun once I do. I'm going to miss out is, is what maybe we can think. But in reality, that although believers of Jesus, followers of Jesus experience the same, you know, difficulty of life as everyone else, and on top of that, you also get uh, persecution and a a degree of suffering for being a Christian, that we have the most joyful life possible, that the most satisfying life that you and I can lead is the one that is pursuing God, that true and genuine joy, the most satisfying life can only be found Uh, when we spend our lives in relationship with God, the one who made us, the one who our hearts are exposed before him at all times, and he's the only one who can know how to fulfill the desires of our hearts, right? He's he's the only one that would know how to do that. And and when I talk about this, I want to point out that this isn't like a false joy. This isn't like a pseudo, like just ignore the pain sort of thing. This isn't like, I mean... I'm sh- I don't know if you've met Christians that just kind of have like this pseudo smile on their face all the time and it doesn't feel genuine. This is a, a true and real joy. This is a real joy that we can have that endures, that can never be taken from us. This isn't a matter of like some sort of self-delusion, right? This isn't just like pretending that life is, is good all the time. And it's not even pretending that, you know, life is going to, you know, somehow work out for good because the Bible says that we actually know that God's working all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So, so it's, it's not just like trying to convince ourselves that's true. It's something that we can know because God's word is true, that he's proven himself true time and time again, and that's something that we can rely on. So here's the big idea is that life is better with Jesus. All right, life is better with Jesus, all right, flat out. That's, that's the way it is. And, and because Jesus, he's the one who is the, the way, the truth, and the life. He's the one of whom was described saying, where would I go to get the words of truth and life if I was to leave you, right? That Jesus is the one who gives us life. He's the one that by his death, burial, and resurrection, we can experience new life, newness of life on the inside and and become spiritually eternal beings that get to enjoy him forever. And so, so in the Psalms, uh, you know, the Psalms, there's 150 chapters in the book of Psalms. There's songs that were written to God. And it covers like a full gamut of, of human emotion there. But in Psalm 84, I've got this up on the screen. Uh, I believe it's the sons of Korah were the guys that wrote this song. This is, this is the way they described it about spending time with God. All right, they said, for a day in your courts... Right, a day in right, God's kingdom, okay? Or a day in the courts of the temple, maybe is what they were thinking of. A day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Right, a day spent with God is better than if I had a thousand days to pursue every other pleasure or joy that I think I could find. That one day spent with the Lord is better than a thousand days spent doing anything else but apart from him. Right, that's the way they described it. Uh, 
He says that I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. And check this out. This might just like blow your mind about who God is, depending on what your perspective of him has been. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Right? God's not holding back good things from us. Right? God is the God who cannot wait to bless us. Right? The, the only reason, like, I mean, you might be excited maybe when, you know, your child turns 16 and you're like, I've got a car I can't wait to bless them with. But that wouldn't be a blessing if you gave it to them when they're three. Right? It just wouldn't be helpful. Like, here you go. Like, start this up. Go, go. Like, here's the, like wooden blocks for you to hit the gas. Like, this wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a blessing at that point. So God, he doesn't withhold anything good when it would be good for us. Right? God doesn't withhold anything good. But this is the big idea is that spending a day with God is better than spending a thousand days doing anything else. And that's the question. Do you believe this? Do you know this to be true? Because it's true. Right? I know that we don't always believe that's the case when we're in the midst of temptation. Right? Just like in the Garden of, of Eden when Satan tempts Eve, right? He's like, listen, no, no, this is the better way. I've got something better for you. Listen, you will be like God if you do this. But no, 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 it's, it's not offering anything better than God the Creator ever could. Right? In moments of temptation, we might think that there's a way to, to optimize joy in our lives. But in fact, apart from God, that's not even possible. And so, so if we know that this is true, if we live as though this is true, that a day with the Lord is better than a thousand elsewhere, that disarms the temptation of sin, right? That completely dismantles its effectiveness as a weapon against us, right? That it won't be an effective means to take us down because, right, do we really think that sin could offer us something better than our Savior, than our Creator, than this God who loves us so much, What can sin offer us better than what God would already have? So God withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly. God has given us his best. All right, God gives us his best. He is a giving God, a generous God. James says that every good and perfect gift comes from him. Right? That's the kind of God that he is, right? He's the God that who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Right? He's, he's a giving God. In Romans 8, 28, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? We serve this amazing, generous God. Right? And having that healthy perspective of who God is right, allows us to have a healthier relationship with him. Right? This is the God that we serve. He is a good God. He's a good God. It says this in, in uh, Psalm 16 too. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Like this is interesting is that there is no good thing that we could experience in our lives separate from God. There's no blessing that God could bestow in his absence. If God wants to give us good things, it requires him to be part of it because there's no good found apart from from God. We, we can't find it. Or it says this in, in Proverbs 17, 20, a, a man of a crooked heart does not discover good. 
The King James version of that says, he that hath a froward heart findeth no good. We used that word a couple weeks ago. Froward just means to walk in our own way. So as long as we would choose to walk away from God, we're not going to find anything good on that journey. We can't find good apart from God. Our pursuit of God is a good pursuit and a rewarding pursuit. Right? We talked about that from Hebrews 11, that, that we must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, that this, he is the one through which so much joy in life can be found, right? that the joyful, satisfying life can only be found in pursuing God. And, and I don't know if you realize this, but God wants you to have a joy-filled life. That's what God wants. It might not be in the the way that we'd imagine it, right? We might think that certain things would bring us joy, but sometimes those are false promises. But God himself wants us, you and I, to have a joy-filled life. Let let me read this from John 15. This is Jesus talking the, the day before he died when he's hanging out having the last supper with his disciples. This is what he says. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, you might be wondering, like, okay, wait, wait. So, so Jesus wants me to have joy, and he wants me to have his joy, and he wants it to be, to be full, to the top, brimming, right? That's what he wants for us, right? And, and he doesn't say this as, as some sort of like, let me tell you the theory of finding joy. No, no, no. He's like, listen, the reason I'm even bothering to tell you this is because I want you to practically experience in all actuality have this full joy that I have. And you might be thinking, like, Jesus gave us the secret to a joyful life? Did you know that? Like, you might be like, well, what was the, th- Brian, what were the things that Jesus said? Because, like, I want to find, I want to find out what is this, how do I have this, this Jesus joy in my life full to the brim? How do I have that? Because he must have said something, right? Like, what did he say? Right? Like, imagine to yourself, like, what do you think Jesus said before this? I don't know, maybe, maybe you're really familiar with this passage from the Bible, perhaps not. But what's, what did Jesus say would bring us fullness of joy? Right? We might have some different ideas on what that might be. But God the creator, the one who made us and knows us and knows how to bring us full joy, this is what, what he said. Here I'll, here, I'll give it to you. John 15 verses uh, 4 to 5 and 9 through 11 is kind of where I'll, I'll read next. Uh, which it's on page 648, by the way, of those blue Bibles that Joshua passed out if you're interested Jesus said this, abide in me and I in you. Abide means to continue, to to remain, to dwell with, to live with, right? Live with Jesus. Remain with Jesus. Continue your life with Jesus. Abide in me and I in you. And then he has an example. "As, As a branch, the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Right? A fruitful life cannot happen unless we're connected with, living with Jesus. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So that's the point one that Jesus says, abide in me. Verse nine, he picks it up. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. That's the next idea. Continue with my love. Rest in my love. And then check this out. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. 
right? Oh, I actually messed that up. Go back to verse 10 if we're cool. Bam, you guys are good. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his loves. Uh, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. This is what Jesus said prior to making that statement. This is how we experience joy. Like I said, it might not be the means to which we assumed joy could be experienced in our lives. We might think like, no, Jesus, I think I've got some better plans. Uh, for my life. I think I've got like a, a better strategy than, than what you're recommending. I think I can find joy elsewhere that will be somehow more satisfying. You might think that, but, but this is what Jesus recommended. He said that, listen, we won't experience full joy unless we abide in Christ, unless we continue with the Lord. We live our lives just saturated with God where everything about us is, is about him. That we need to live with Jesus. We need to have a relationship with Jesus. And he said to abide in his love, right? Resting in that perfect love that casts out fear. Resting in that just knowing how much God loves us and pours out his love upon us, right? Just resting in that, like that is the kind of love that chases away condemnation, right? That chases away shame when we do fail in sin, right? That we can, we know we can go back to this God who loves us that much, that we, we can ask for forgiveness, right? That we don't have to, well, I don't think God wants to see me for a while. I'm just going to hide for a while. I'm just going to, you know, like, no, 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 no. Abide in his love. Rest in the full knowledge that God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. And then this is the crazy one where we're like, I don't think this is the way to be happy. Keeping his commandments. Jesus says if we keep his commandments, we will have his joy and joy that is full. You might think like, "Mm, I don't know about that one. Like, you know, uh, full joy sounds nice and all, but I think think I'm going to just have enough, like I'll have good enough joy in my life. Like, maybe I I won't obey his commandments. Maybe I'll just, I think I can find my own way here. Like, I'm happy with just a little bit of joy. But this is the idea, is that that we experience full joy when we do what God has called us to do. Right? That he's created us with a purpose. He's designed us for a reason. And he has a, a calling, a plan for each of our lives. And we experience full joy when we are in the place of, of doing what he's called us to do. Right? Dan Kehoe preached last week on, on obedience as a means to experience God's love. And Jesus is saying here that obedience is a mean to experience fullness of joy. Like, I know it's counterintuitive. That's not what we think would make us happy. It's not what we think would bring us full joy. But it is the thing that does it. It produces this joy in us. So we need to abide in Jesus. We need to abide in his love and and keep his commandments. And we can have this full joy. So another thing that we can experience God's joy in our lives by doing is is believing what is is true and right. Believing what is true and good. Right? Uh, The Bible is full of prophecies prior to Jesus' coming, predicting the Messiah and what he would be like, when he would come, where he would be born, right? Where, where you would find him. And, and, and the Bible has, has one of these prophecies describing the Messiah that it's kind of like mentioned after the fact as well in Hebrews 1. 
And this is, this is what it says. But of the son, he says, right? The prophet spoke this of the son before he came. It's also, I think, in Psalm 45, I believe. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. Check out verse 9. This is a description of the Messiah. You have loved righteousness, right? We might think like, okay, I could imagine. Yeah, Jesus loved what was right. Jesus loved what was good. Jesus loved righteousness. I could see that. But check this out. Did you know that Jesus hated things? Right? You might be like, whoa, like what? Like, but it says this, that, that you have hated wickedness, right? Or you, have, you despise injustice, right? You don't delight in evil, okay? That, that Jesus loved righteousness and hated wickedness, but check out what happened as a result of that, of him having that characteristic, that attribute of who he was as Messiah. It says, therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. That, that Jesus' right belief, Jesus' right thinking was a means to which he had the oil of gladness in his life, or as other translations say, the, the oil of joy, was on Jesus beyond his friends, right? That, that having right thinking allows us to have this fullness of joy, right? That, that's what it says, right? The New Living Translation on that verse says that you love justice and hate evil. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than anyone else. That the joy that Jesus walked in and experienced was as a result of him having right thinking, right? As a result of him being in agreement with the Father, right? I mean, one, one of the only times we see Jesus in like true anguish and wrestling is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And that's, that's the time where we see him wrestling whether or not he, you know, like, God, is there any other way we could do this? Like, you know, let this cup for me. I don't want to go through with the cross. I don't want to endure it this way, right? He's wrestling with the will of God, and that's the one time he's in this moment of anguish. But then once we are in agreement with God, once we're in agreement with God's will, we can experience this, this joy, this gladness. So Jesus loved righteousness. He loved what is right, and he also hated wickedness, Right? That's, that's Jesus. This is our Messiah. This is part of his characteristics, that Jesus hates sin and what it does to us and the people around us. He hates how sin separated us from God to begin with. Right? Jesus, Jesus hated sin to the point that he was willing to fight to the death to see us free from sin. Right? So, I'll, I'll point this out. Here's 1 Corinthians 13. You usually hear this passage read at weddings and things. Here's one of the descriptors of love, all right? It, that is love, does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. And Jesus, the, the God in the flesh on the earth, manifestation of the God who is love, would never rejoice at wrongdoing. He doesn't rejoice or delight in sin, right? It, love rejoices in the truth. And so for us to experience this joy, it's not for, it's not sufficient for us to just agree with God on what might be good, but to agree with him on what might be harmful or detrimental to our lives, to agree with him about the, the effects of sin. Because I know that in my life, it wasn't until I gained a healthy hatred of my sin, okay? 
seeing how much harm the sin had caused me and the people near me, right? It wasn't until that happened that I was willing to fight sin with any amount of seriousness, that I wasn't willing to really like do whatever it took to get rid of it in my life, right? We need a healthy hatred, not of ourselves, right? We should abide and rest in God's love for us, but a healthy hatred of, of sin because we see the damage that it does. And, and if we fight sin with that seriousness, right, then we can be free from it, right? If we're willing to put sin to death in our lives, we're, will, we're able to be free from it because Jesus says, listen, you're a, you're a slave to whatever you obey. That when we obey sin, we become a slave to it. And Jesus died to make us free. And that as long as we don't think that about sin in us, we're not going to experience that freedom and we surely cannot experience this, this abundance of joy that God wants us to have, right? That's not saying that we're perfect. It's just saying, listen, God, I agree with you. Like when I'm doing things my own way and I'm messing up, like I agree with you. I was in the wrong. I'm sorry. I need your forgiveness, right? And we can abide in his love. So, so this gladness, this joy belonged to Jesus, because he loved righteousness and, and hated wickedness, right? So, so we want to, to abide in Christ. We want to abide in his love, to, to keep his commandments, and to think like Jesus thought. We want to think like Jesus thought. And this, this allows us to really experience this relationship that God wants us to have. Because like I said, there's no good found apart from God. That it's being with him that gives us this joy. In Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5, it says this. Check this out. This is, this is so cool. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Right? That our being fulfilled, our obtaining our, a meaningful life, our experiencing satisfaction from the lives we live, it's found in delighting ourselves in God, and then God just gives us the desires of of our hearts, right? And then verse five, it says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act, right? That God is interested in doing this in our lives and it's found, it's experienced in delighting ourselves in him, delighting ourselves in God. So, so let me first point this out. This would suggest that it's possible to delight in God, the fact that the Bible would even say this is a command or a recommendation for us would suggest that our God is delightful. Our God is one in whom we can delight. That he is a fun guy to hang around with. All right? Like that we can have a blast hanging out with God. That, that just being with him, learning of him, worshiping him, living for him. Right, spending time in prayer or, or reading his word as he's revealed himself to be. Right? We can delight in God. And one thing I'll point out about reading his word, it becomes perpetually more rewarding the more we read it. Right? As we start to discover who God is and see his heart revealed to us, the heart of the Father, right? that the more time we spend, I know that there can be times you'll sit down and be like... Like, and you, I don't know, it's, it's possible to read the Bible and fall asleep, just so you're aware. I've done it, okay? But if we spend time with God, we can, we can delight in him. And it just produces this fullness of joy in us. 
that all of these things can become a great delight. I'll also point out about this verse. Notice it doesn't say that we pursue delight. We pursue God. We have a delightful God that we, we delight in him. We don't pursue delight. We don't pursue pleasure. We don't pursue right, uh, self-indulgence. Right, or self-seeking or selfishness, right? We're not pursuing those things. And just because our God is delightful does not mean that delight is our God. We don't we don't worship pleasure. We worship God. All right, we put God first and we delight in Him. We don't we don't make the pursuit of happiness the utmost purpose of life. That's not, that's not what we're about. We delight in God. So God, our God is not delight. Our God is delightful, however, okay? And, and, and the Bible would recommend for you not to love pleasure, just so you're aware. Uh, it would actually even categorize it as, as foolish to love pleasure. It says this in Proverbs uh, 21, whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. Right, so like, don't love pleasure. It puts it in the category of foolishness. So, so we don't pursue our own pleasure. We don't seek after our own lustful desires. The Bible actually even describes in Ephesians, it might be on the bonus content, that our desires are deceitful. That when we're out pursuing just that, right, the, the good feeling we get in our brains from some chemical release, that it's deceitful. It's not tricking other people. It's tricking us. It's, it's causing us to seek after something that will not be rewarding in the long run, something that will be disappointing eventually, right? Hebrews 11 talks about that there is a, a fleeting pleasure to sin, that, that sin feels good in the moment, but, but Proverbs says like stolen bread tastes sweet, but later on it's like gravel in the mouth. Like there's, it disappoints it's not going to produce the joy that we think it will in the moments of temptation, right? That, that, that it's not going to do that. So, so self-indulgence will always leave us unsatisfied. And, and in fact, the Bible almost puts these in two categories, opposing thoughts, that I cannot love myself in this way or love pleasure and love God at the same time. It says this in 2 Timothy 3. I've got it up here, and I've highlighted some portions of this to make this point. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Just so you're aware, this was written like almost 2,000 years ago. We're closer to the last days now than they were then. We're getting there. Uh, So times will be difficult, okay? In the last days, times will be difficult, and this is why. For people will be lovers of self, Right? Lovers of money, they will be proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Hey, ungrateful, there, there's your little Thanksgiving message. Bam, right there. You get your one word. All right, so be grateful. There, that's a good thing. Uh, verse three, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. And then check out this line, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So notice it's putting those in categories that are opposed to one another. Right? The way Jesus said it was, was right, we can't serve both God and money. The, 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 we've got to choose. We will either love one and hate the other. We will either serve one and despise the other. Right? We can't have both of those things. 
So we've got to choose to, to love God instead of loving ourselves, loving pleasure, loving money, right? loving all of these other things. And then verse 5, he says, right, having the appearance of godliness, that there will be people who appear godly, but they are ones that deny the power of God, right? The power of, of God to free us from, from sin even, right? And it says to the point to, uh, to avoid such people. So, so here's the idea is that, that we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? That, that it's his kingdom that we pursue, right? That, that Jesus says, listen, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that all of these other things that we need will be added to us, right? That God is this God who gives good gifts to his kids, that he knows the things we need even before we ask them, right? That's the kind of God that we, we serve. And I think that this, the verse, uh, Matthew 6, verse 33, and, and Psalm 37, I think these two verses are actually similar to each other. But we probably like this Psalm 37 verse better, where it says, delight in the Lord as opposed to seek first God, right, and his kingdom and his righteousness. Because delight sounds easy while seeking sounds like work. Right? Seeking sounds like work. Right? Seeking his kingdom and his righteousness, that sounds like... Mm, like it sounds like I've got to be a little less selfish to make that happen, right? Like it, it doesn't sound as appealing to us, right? So, I mean, if you're going to pick a memory verse this week, you know, maybe Psalm 37.4 might sound better to us. Uh, but these are actually saying exactly the same thing. That seeking God and his kingdom, right? Seeking his righteousness, doing things his way is going to be delightful, is accomplished by delighting in the Lord, Right? And that all of the other things that get added to us is the same as him giving us the desires of our heart. Right? That we don't think that's the case on the surface level. But that's exactly what Jesus is saying is, listen, for you to experience full joy in your life, it's going to be an abiding in him, abiding in his love, and keeping his commandments. And that God is this delightful God that we can experience. Right? Seeking God, delighting in God, produces in us everything we need and fulfills our heart's desires. Right? The God who made us, before whom our hearts are fully exposed, is the only one who knows what will truly bring us joy. And God wants us to have joy in him. We serve an enjoyable God. And that's why Paul in Philippians 4.4 gives this command. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Like that, that's a command. Like, like he's basically saying, enjoy God all the time. And, and just so you don't forget, enjoy God. Like just so, in case you forgot already, like this is what we should do. Right? This is what we need to focus on is enjoying God. And we serve a God that like, it's not like he gave us some sort of like catch 22 here where it's impossible to enjoy him. No, we serve this delightful, enjoyable God. And our joy will be found in enjoying him. And notice this is a, this is a joy that is, is experienced all the time. When the Bible talks about joy, it's not just about like some like euphoric feeling that we have that then dissipates. It's a lasting joy. It's a joy that can be had always. So like contrasting joy, Christian joy, to like happiness. Happiness is based on happenstance. It's, it's fleeting. It's just, you know, I, I happen to be happy today because I woke up on the right side of the bed, I guess. Like, I don't know. 
right? The, 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 pre- the prefix hap actually means luck, chance, fortune, or an occurrence. So it's not like this happiness comes as a result of like just everything working out right. You know, everything just like going my way today and now I'm going to have this joy of the Lord. This joy is an always kind of joy, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of hard times, right? Although the Bible says that there's a, a time to grieve, which is a reality, even in those seasons of difficulty, we can experience God's joy in our lives. It's true. It's true. So, so this joy that I'm talking about isn't, isn't one that's based on my circumstances all happen and be good right now. My, my car happens to be running right now. Like, I can be joyful now, right? I don't have to be mad at God about anything. No, no, no. This is a joy that can happen all the time. This is the kind of joy that God wants you and I to have. And Paul, writing this letter, is writing it from, from prison, right? And he's talking about his joy in God while he's in chains, in prison, writing a letter to this church in Philippi, right? It's not a matter of everything looking good, or everything feeling good, this is a joy that is an always kind of joy. So rejoice in the Lord always, regardless of circumstances, we can walk in the fullness of joy that, that Jesus wants us to have and died for us to have. So let's see, let, let's have, as the worship team comes up, I've got a couple little short verses I want to point out. When, when Jesus was speaking of the resurrection, the day before he died, in John 16, this is, this is what he said regarding that joy, that full joy that he wants us to experience. John 16, 22, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take that joy away from you. The joy that God gives is not a joy that someone can steal from you. The joy that God gives cannot be stolen. It, it cannot be taken from you. And Jesus was saying, listen, you're going to mourn for a a little while, but this joy is going to come. And and just so you're aware, you and I are on the other side of this sentence in the space of history. He's talking about his resurrection. That because of his resurrection, it seals the fact that those who believe in him, trust in him, can be saved and spend eternity with this enjoyable God. We are on the other side of this sentence. The joy that you and I can have is a joy that no one can take away from us. Hey, wow, yeah, there we go. Hey, hey, I got some amens. All right, I, I uh, keep track of that, right? You keep track of that, the number of amens I get? I think my salary's based on it. But, uh, <laughs> but this joy can be yours, right? This joy is something that you can experience, right? If, if you're like, Brian, I don't know, like, I'm not convinced that that's the way that I can experience it. I'm not convinced that's the way that I can be most satisfied. I understand that you might have those thoughts, but I want to let you know that God is giving out like free samples. He wants you to like try them out on this, okay? Uh, This is what it says in Psalm 34, 8. It says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Like try this out, free samples, right? Give it a shot. That God wants you to find out that he is good. That he is good in your life. That God wants you to know that to be true. He's like, hey, come on, give give, give this a shot. Find out who I am. Right, and it says that blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So, So God is a good God. The joy he wants you to have is a joy that's everlasting. An all the time kind of joy. 
If you've never experienced that, you can experience that joy with God today, right? It's just a matter of like recognizing, all right, God, I've been doing things my own way. I'm going to agree with you, right? I, I mess up. I sin. I'm going to turn from that life. I'm going to turn to you. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to trust in you to forgive me. I ask for your forgiveness. And you just like become a new creation on the inside is what the Bible says. That's the experience the Bible promises. And it's, it's the experience that many have had as a result of following those exact steps, right? That you can experience this joy. And, and this is what I would challenge, right? This week, just like, you know, let's say like, you know, when you're a single person and you're like, find out you got a date planned for Saturday night and you look forward to it all week. You can't wait to like hang out with this person. You want to find out who they are. And like, you get like the little butterflies, you're excited about them. Plan a date with God this week. Plan a date with God, like set some time aside, set a reminder on your phone, your calendar, like get some time with the Lord. He's enjoyable and spend time with him, right? Spend time in prayer, spend time in worship, spend time, like bring the Bible out, get a notebook and like write down your thoughts, discover this enjoyable God. That's what my challenge is to you this week. But let's, let's pray before we go back to our last couple worship songs. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you... You are not a burden to follow. That, God, you are enjoyable to pursue. I thank you that you see beyond what we see, that, that Lord, we're so short-sighted when we make decisions regarding our lives and our happiness. That we're so short-sighted when it comes to, to making choices that we think will fulfill us. But I thank you, God, that you have a plan. You know the end from the beginning, that you have a purpose for our lives, and your desire is, is good towards us, that, Lord, you have a plan for us to prosper, that, God, you have a plan to bless us. And so, God, help us just to, especially if we've come from a, a place or a religious experience of feeling obligated all the time, God, bring us to a place of just enjoying you. Bring us to a place of just being fully satisfied with who you are, that we can just pursue you out of love. And as a result, the keeping the commandments thing just happens. It just happens on its own. And God, I thank you that you've loved us first, that we now can love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.